Hi, everyone. Kip Herridge here. Thanks so much for joining us for our 1,000th VRA Investing Podcast. Uh, Tyler, how you doing, bud? Fantastic. Really excited uh, for the show today. You know, we uh, you came to me almost four years ago, and uh, I remember like yesterday because I had no interest in doing a podcast. I thought everybody had them. And you know what? I already had busy days. You know, the market closes. I, I, I'm pretty much done because I'm up at 4 a.m., right? So I move on to other things. And But you talked me into it. We started doing this podcast. Now here we are almost four years later, and this is our 1,000th show today. And what a treat we have today, huh? Absolutely. Couldn't be a better day uh, for our 1,000th podcast to have our, our wonderful friend, guest, Wayne Allen Root, with us here today. And it really does not seem real that we're already at 1,000 here. Yeah, I know. Well, before long, it'll be 2,000. It's hopefully 2,000, 3,000, and you know, who knows, right? Mm-hmm. All right, folks, listen, we got a great guest here for you today. As Tyler just said, it's Wayne Allen Root. And by the way, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. You know, we've got a great group every day that listens to our podcast. At first, I had no idea why anybody would want to, because I never listened to podcasts. I've changed now. I, I do now. Podcasts are a great medium. And now Tyler started introducing Zoom. And we're broadcasting on being Rumble and getting away from YouTube. And thanks, thanks again for all your recommendations on that. So uh, this, this is a meeting we'll continue to use uh, to grow the company and to really just inform uh, you guys what we see in the markets. Uh, you know, right now, kind of an ugly day so far today uh, before the close here. But I think that changes from the Fed meeting tomorrow. I think this is a sell the rumor, buy the news kind of event. I'll go on the record and say that here. But, uh, you know, here, here it was, <clears throat> this was now, I'm going back now about 17 years. And <clears throat> I'm at a, we're doing, we're doing an investment event. We have about, I don't know, six, 700 people in Las Vegas. And one of our, the, the event's almost over. Four-day event, great event. The event's almost over. And one of my friends comes up, one of the speakers, Jeff Combs, comes up to me and says, listen, I know you're about to wrap in 30 minutes, but there's a guy here you got to meet and you have to put him on stage. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm about to go up and tell everybody thanks for coming and goodbye, you know? And he goes, no, trust me. Let him have 15 minutes and you'll be glad you did. His name is Wayne Allen Root. And so Wayne came over, said hi, and right away, you know, we were brothers from another mother. Yeah, I just could feel the energy, the positivity coming off of Wayne. Wayne put you on stage. You brought the house down. You got a better standing ovation than I did throughout the entire event. It really kind of pissed me off, if I'm being honest. Still does to this day. (laughs) But now that I know who you are and that that's what happens wherever you go, man, it was great to meet you back then. We've, we've had been a, it's a great relationship ever since then, a great friendship. You just got married. I was at your wedding, huge party. Man, thanks for coming on and do, doing number 1,000 for us today. Thank you. I, I expect now that uh, when it's number 2,000, I have to be the guest. When it's number 3,000, I have to be the guest. It's the permanent every thousand podcast, right. Wayne Root, Wayne Root guest. So I just want to make sure you know that. If they have the permanent ruling class, we can have permanent Wayne. How about that? <laughs> That's good. And I think we met, what was it, about 2003? What year do we meet? Yeah, about 2003. That's exactly right. So it's been yeah. about 17 years now. I have forgot that's how we met. I had a seminar that I was leading right across the hall from you. And Jeff Combs had spoken at mine, and he had spoken uh, at yours. And he ran in and said, you got to come to this guy, Kip Perridge's. I completely forgot how we met. That is it. Fantastic. What a, what a great, what are the odds we'd be right across from each other? I, you know, it was meant to be, I think, right? Yeah, obviously. Well, listen, let me, uh, let me set this up just a little bit here because uh, your background, I think, you know, most of our people, a lot of our people have met you, you know, through our events over the years. A lot of people obviously know you from, because you're a celebrity, ran for president, went to school with Barack Obama, never saw him there over (laughs) your time at Columbia. I mean, these are all fascinating stories you've written. How many books have you written now? I've lost track. 
I think 15. I've kind of lost track too. It's either 15 or 16. And you've got this great new book out now, which is uh, called uh, The Great Patriot Protest and Boycott Book, okay? Mm -hmm. And Trump Rules before that. I've got them both here on my desk. Uh, but uh, if you will, give people an intro. Let them know some, some of the inside skinny about Wayne. Son of a butcher. You homeschool four kids, which are all magnificent, magnificent young adults now. And uh, how, how have you done it all? And uh, tell us a little bit more yourself for the, for the newer people here. Well, you know, I listen, I, I define myself not by business, not by politics, but I think a lot like Trump, all the people who hate Trump. And I go to them, have you ever met Trump's kids? Have you at least seen Trump's kids? They're four of the most incredible human beings you'll ever meet in your life. And I feel the same way about my four kids, as you just said. And of course, Tyler, what a great kid. It shows who we are when you meet our kids, right? It's you got to know the person. When you're investing with someone or you're listening to someone, you're taking the advice of someone, you want to know who they are as a person. And who you are as a person is not your business acumen and it's not your political acumen. It is your ability to be a good dad or a good mom. And so I think uh, when I meet Tyler on this podcast, when, I, when, I, when people see my four kids, they know who the real person is. Donald Trump's a great guy, great father. Kip Herridge, great guy, great father. Wayne Root, great guy, great father. You don't produce four kids like that unless you are a great human being. And that's the first most important thing to know about me is, is I think I'm a good guy and a good human being and a great dad. So, so that's number one. Number two, I've spent my whole life in two things, business, well, three things really. Business, politics, and sports are the three loves of my life. It's all I talk all day long. Business, politics, and sports. Uh, I've given business seminars all over the world, and I think I gave about 20 of them over the years for Kip's Wealth Masters uh, a seminar series. And uh, a business I've been in my entire life, and I've written many books about it. And, and uh, politics, I segued into and almost on a dare, on a bet, someone said, I'll bet you could win the Libertarian presidential nomination so why don't you just go attend in Florida next week? Their big debate, I'll get you in. And out of the blue, you'll be one of their presidential candidates. And I won the debate. And I mean, I beat seasoned politicians, including a US Senator and a Congressman. And from that point on, I campaigned in 50 states and I became their vice presidential nominee. And by the way, the only reason I didn't win the presidential nomination is Bob Barr, the Congressman, brought 200 delegates, his friends mm -hmm. from Georgia on a bus to Denver to the convention. I brought no one. He brought 200 people to vote. And I just relied on my talents and my opinions on that stage. And I wound up as the VP nominee. Bob Barr brought me up on the stage and said, who else would I pick to be the vice president than Wayne Alaroot? We raised our hands in the air. I think the photo is right behind me. And from that point on, uh, the next morning, I was on Fox News with Neil Cavuto discussing our presidential ticket. So then I was in politics and sports. I've been an NFL fan my whole life. And still, despite the kneeling and the social justice messages that I can't stand that I think are incredibly stupid and they're damaging the game and the sport badly and turning off their fans, but I'm a better, I'm not an NFL fan, I'm an NFL betting fan and I bet on the games and I've, give, I've sold my advice as a professional sports prognosticator for 36 years. That's been my main business until politics came along and it's back again as my main business, even though I enjoy a great political career. So that's my story. We're gonna come back to the very end of this Zoom. We're gonna talk about Winners Inc. The yes. company that you started has now gone public and you've got some exciting updates on that. Uh, but first, uh, the last couple of years, what a wild, crazy 
insane ride this has been for all of us, for everybody watching this. And, you know, uh, I, I try to listen to every show, your show every night, your radio show. You've been nice enough to have me on a fair, fair amount of times over the years. And uh, you just have the best guests. And, and again, last night you did as well with Bill O'Reilly talking about Trump. We'll get to that in a minute, too. I know you've got some insights there that, that people are curious about. But you had you had went through a period where you were attacked, viciously attacked. And uh, you went after local. I remember after the Las Vegas uh, massacre, the, the terrorist attack, you, you went after the CEO of MGM in a way that I'd never seen anybody. I, I was I, I was concerned for you, like for your safety. So when it, when coronavirus insanity started, I knew exactly the Wayne Ruth that I was going to get, that we were all going to get. You were going to call it like you saw it, and that cost you, didn't it? That cost you a couple of, of high profile positions. Tell people what happened there. Yeah, well, I mean, look, being being honest and being raw is always going to get you in trouble in this society with the deep state, the ZC swamp and the powers that be and the communist takeover of the United States that's, that they're trying to do right now at this moment. I don't think there's been a communist takeover of the United States. They're trying to do a communist takeover of the United States and they're, they're meeting with tremendous resistance. No matter how much they push the vaccines, there's 40% of the population that will never take the vaccines. And so they move to the next level of brutality and censorship and banning and hate. You know, when they talk about hate speech, Everything you see, Kip and Tyler, everything on this on this media stage and on this political stage in America today is based on Saul Alinsky rules for radicals. And there's two things you got to know about Saul Alinsky. Number one, the book is dedicated to the devil, the devil, Lucifer. On the first page, he dedicates his book to the devil. And this is the the, the literally the ground rules book of the Democrat party and of all socialist, communists and Marxists, which is the Democrat party today. So you're dealing with the devil, literally. And I'm not making that up. Go look at Rules for Radicals, buy a copy at Amazon or check it out of the library. Page one, the book is dedicated to Lucifer. Uh, and so you need to know that. And, and number two, you need to know that one of the biggest rules of Solitsky and Rules for Radicals is look in the mirror and whatever you see that you're doing bad, blame the other guy. And that was how, you know, they knew they were stealing elections. So they blamed Trump and Russian collusion for stealing elections. They knew that Biden was the most corrupt human being that's ever lived. And he sold out the American people as vice president. So they accused Trump of corruption. Everything is whatever you see, blame the other guy. So, you know, they, they are like Hitler and Nazis in the way that they believe in censorship and banning and taking our jobs away for our opinions. So they called Trump Hitler and they said Trump's a Nazi. Every single thing you see in front of you is from rules from radicals and Solinsky and everything Democrats say, i.e. De Democrats are communist, socialist, Marxist, and they take all their rules from Alinsky and from Lenin and from Marx. And it's always to destroy and demonize your opposition. And so, you know, we're, we're in a period of time where I don't believe there's any compromise anymore. There is, you can't compromise with a communist who's out to destroy your country, take your job away, destroy your business. They like to destroy every small business in America. And of course, tying in with your question, they want to destroy my career. Anybody who opposes them publicly, they've got to tear you down and rip you down. And I think all you need to do is compare me to Chris Cuomo. That's all you have to do. Chris Cuomo and I had TV shows, dueling TV shows on at the same time. And he hated me. And he was always saying nasty things about me on CNN. 
And one day, the owner of Newsmax, where I had the, no, the most popular show, three years, 700 plus episodes, Bill O'Reilly opening the show three times a week with me. And the number one rated show in the most popular time slot, 8 p.m. Eastern on Newsmax. And, for, and literally, Chris Cuomo had on as his guest the owner of Newsmax, Chris Ruddy. And, and Chris Ruddy thought it was an interview about his friendship with Donald Trump. And when he gets there, it turns out it's an ambush. And the entire 30 minutes, and I don't even know if you know about this, Kip, the entire 30 minutes on CNN, and you wouldn't know because who watches CNN? Nobody, right? right? So he had three viewers. They're all mad that he's gone. <laughs> but uh, the end result is the media watches, right? Yeah. And so the other liberals who want to destroy America are watching Chris Cuomo. And the entire 30 minutes was a diatribe by Chris Cuomo against Wayne Allyn and saying, Chris, as in Chris Ruddy, the owner of Newsmax, you got to fire this guy. He's bad. He's a racist. He's a troublemaker. He's a divider. He was the original birther against Barack Obama. He's a horrible person. He slandered me for 30 minutes in front of my boss who owned my TV network and my relationship with Chris, who I like very much, was never the same again because Chris was embarrassed on national TV, on CNN. And does that matter to you and me? No. And to, my, uh, to someone denigrating me, who's a big liberal, communist, Marxist, socialist, that's a badge of honor to me. That means I'm effective. I'm doing something right. But Chris didn't see it that way because he's in the media. He may own Newsmax, but he's in the media and he goes to dinner with lots of liberals in New York City. So mm -hmm. when he gets embarrassed on CNN because of Wayne Root, it was never the same. And eventually it led to the breakup of, of our union, our friendship, and, and my leaving uh, Newsmax uh, because of so many different factors. But Chris Cuomo was the main factor that started it all. So their goal was to get me off TV because I was so effective against them. I'm winning, as Trump would say, hashtag winning. And they couldn't have that. So they needed to get me off the air. So, you know, between Chris and between uh, Chris Cuomo and between uh, Right Wing Watch and between um, uh, Media, Media Matters, which is funded by George Soros in large part, not totally, but in large part, look it up in Wikipedia, big funding by George Soros. And, and I made the mistake, quote unquote, not a mistake, but always honest, always raw. On Newsmax, I said, George Soros hates America, hates Donald Trump, is attacking the United States of America, is trying to bring the stock market down. He's one of the most famous shorters in history. Of course, he was trying to bring the stock market down in March of 2020. And Newsmax and Chris Ruddy got in a big fight with me, and I lost my job at that point. Things were going downhill between us anyway because of Chris Cuomo. But he literally terminated my contract because I said on national TV something negative about George Soros. George Soros is a communist. He is an, a traitor. He is the enemy of the United States of America. And for me to simply say something negative about George Soros to a conservative audience and get fired, terminated by a conservative network tells you all you need to know about how they're trying to destroy us. Now compare that to Chris Cuomo. All I was guilty of is my opinions offended someone. Chris Cuomo was sexually harassing women that work for him, uh, allegedly. Chris Cuomo's brother was the governor of New York who directly led to the death of 20,000 senior citizens in nursing homes. And Chris was covering up for the brother and the murder 
of those 20,000 senior citizens through negligent policies. And then the governor was committing massive sexual harassment. And Chris Cuomo was going after researching and going after the female victims to try and destroy the people who accused his brother of sexual harassment. Compare the criminals on the left with Wayne Root, who has an opinion some people on the left don't like. And, and, and then you, that's all you need to know. Right. And then you, uh, I remember the show where you talked about uh, alternative options for people that had coronavirus or, or that, that were afraid of getting. You talked about colloidal right. silver. You talked about hydroxychloroquine. Next thing you know, after you mentioned Soros, that was it for them. You were, right. you were done. And right. so that it's, happened to you there. It I also had, happened to you with Twitter when you had right. several hundred thousand followers. My question to you really is this. We've all had a rough, rough couple of years. You know, I think the you're a, you're a true capitalist. That's 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 you are a capitalist. You're a born capitalist, right? True. As you call yourself a capitalist evangelist, and the true words have never been spoken. So you've used this as an opportunity for yourself and for your businesses, for your family to take the next step. How did you do that? How can the average person uh, try to uh, emulate what you've been able to do with success you've had in the last two years? Well, you know, I don't know how I've done what I've done. <laughs> you know, there was a point 25 years ago where I was making literally close to seven figures 25 years ago as the king of Vegas sports gambling, working for the number one company in the world of sports handicapping. And I made a decision that I was doing great. And I was a kid compared to now, right? I was in my early 30s. And I made a decision that I wanted to own my own business and I wasn't going to work for anyone else ever again, even though I had the easiest life in the world. I was sitting on the beach in Malibu six days a week and flying to Vegas on the seventh day and starring on a TV show. And I was making close to a million dollars a year 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I made a decision. All that's great, but I want to be the guy who determines my own destiny. I want to own my own company and, and I don't want to work for someone else. So I got out of my contract and I left. And, and the next day, my guaranteed income went from almost seven figures to zero. And I still, to this day, wake up and go, did I really do that? Holy crap, did I really do that? I must have been nuts. And yet it led to the life of my dreams and a wonderful life. And, and the same question you ask is, you know, how did I get to here after two years of being attacked, being denigrated, being slandered, losing my major TV position, losing a major journalism position in one of the biggest newspapers in America. Uh, and I've lost countless opportunities. I used to speak all over the world on business success, as you know, and I'm as good as they come. And I spoke in South Africa four times uh, just a few years back, all before Donald Trump. From the day I publicly came out for Donald Trump and led the fight and, and I represented him on 1,500 interviews all around the world when he was running in 2015 and 16. From that moment on, I've never been booked for a single success or business speech ever again. And I'm as good a business speaker as Tony Robbins or anybody you've ever seen as Kip knows. Never got a single booking ever again destroyed my speaking career because all the liberals have blackballed me. So I've given up millions and millions of dollars because of my very honest raw truth, controversial, outspoken views. Uh, and yet I'm making more money now than I've ever made because there's a great audience that appreciates it. 80 million plus Trump voters appreciate uh, both Republican conservatives and I think lots of Trump voters are independents who think center right or right. 
And so independents and conservatives love everything I say, and, and they're very loyal to me, and they're very addicted to my raw truth because they can't get it anywhere else. There is no mainstream guy but me. The only guy who's a close second is Tucker Carlson. But there is no mainstream media personality in America who's been more right and more honest about coronavirus, COVID, the COVID scam, the COVID scamdemic, uh, the COVID vaccine, the COVID vaccine mandates, the ill effects of the COVID vaccine. No one has been on this correctly as I have since day one, who's a mainstream media person. And I'm on record in my columns in the newspaper and on my TV show before it ended and on my radio show. I hit this bullseye every single time before they ever did it. Uh, you nailed it from the very beginning. You were saying things on the radio, and I was like, what What did he just say? You know, I, I mean, he's going to be fired tomorrow. But luckily, you, you've you got a great station backing you yes. that's allowed you uh, to, to, to tell the truth. Right. So many, so, you know, that's, that's a fortunate thing. But you also, you're a man of principle. You, you decided that you were not going to comply, that you were not going to bend the knee. And we've all been there, especially again, last couple of years, you know, it's all relative, but we've all been there in one way or another. I mean, what is that? What's it like going through that when you like, okay, I'm about to get fired from a job that I love that pays a whole lot of money unless I change my tune. Walk people through that, that mental process for you. Well, you know, look, uh, my favorite book, my favorite two books of all time are The Power of Relentless and Trump Rules. And Trump Rules, the newer book, came out last November. My latest book is The Great Patriot Protest, a boycott book. I think uh, a perfect Christmas present, a little self-shameless plug. But I think uh, Trump Rules and the, and the uh, Great Patriot Protest, a boycott book, make a perfect one-two punch for Christmas this year. Those are my two latest books. But the reason I'm proud of The Power of Relentless and Trump Rules, I live them. I live those rules that I wrote down in Power of Relentless And they all came at the time. I didn't tell people this. I told them in Trump rules. But all the power of relentless rules in my book came from watching and modeling Donald Trump since I was 19 years old at Columbia University. I was a freshman at Columbia. Actually, I was 18 going on 19. And then during that year, I turned 19. And then 20 and 21 and 22 in my senior year. And, And right down the street from Columbia University where I went was Donald Trump building super hotels and super buildings like Trump Tower. And, uh, and I watched that. He was in the um, gossip columns every single day. And I said, I want to be that guy. So he became my mentor, you know? And, and the number one rule is, is the joy of failure. Fail your way to the top. No matter how many times you fail, if you learn from it and you're willing to get back up and fight, and I'm a fighter. You notice in every picture I send out, it's always me with my fist like that. I am a fighter. I'm a mother trucker, you know? And, and I learned that on the streets of New York because I grew up in a very rough neighborhood and went, and went to a, uh, first of all, I was the only Jew in an all Italian Catholic neighborhood, mostly mafia. So I had to learn to fight for my life. And I fought so well, I became all their best friends. Then I got, went, went to middle school, it was all black. And then I went to high school, all black. And, and I had to fight for my life and earn their respect. And then they all became my best friends. So I've been a fighter my whole life uh, every situation I've ever been thrown in, I've had to fight. And so the number one rule of Donald Trump is to fight. And the number two rule is the joy of failure. You got, once you fight, you're going to fail sometimes. And you've just got to turn around, be relentless, stay true to yourself, get back on the horse and ride even harder. And I do that. He's done it. 
Look, look at what Donald Trump has done since my book came out. I said when the book came out in mid-November of 2020, Trump had just lost the election. Now, you and I don't believe he lost. It was rigged and stolen. I think Trump won by an electoral landslide and yeah. probably by a popular landslide, too. Absolutely. But forget all that. It was stolen. Forget all that. He lost. To the average person, he lost. To the media, he lost. So here I am promoting a brand new book, painting Donald Trump as the biggest winner of all time, and he just lost. And not only did he lose, but soon after was January 6th. And the media tried to turn that into something like he's a traitor and he should go to prison and he's the most evil person that ever lived. And, and what he's done is he's, he's pushed a coup against the United States of America and they tried to make him Benedict Arnold. And I'm selling a book about how great he is. And yet the book went to number one. And, and every interview I did, I said, he is the comeback kid, which I am too, because I learned from Donald Trump. I always come back bigger and better than ever before after each failure or each disappointment. And, and I learned that from Trump. And I said, this guy owed the banks $4 billion and nobody ever gets out of that. And he came out smelling like a rose and richer than he'd ever been. And, and now he's president of the United States. And so he will once again, after his defeat, rise from the ashes and be bigger than ever before financially and political wise. I said that. I said, he'll make a huge comeback and he'll probably be president of the United States again in 2024, but financially he'll make a huge comeback as well. Everybody scoffed at me and the media laughed at me. And sure enough, where are we right now? Trump is in every poll I've seen ahead by double digits against Joe Biden. If the election were held today, he'd be the president by a landslide. Trump just made himself at least $2 billion with his new public offering of his social media company. It's uh, valued at 4 billion and he owns 50% of it. So he made about 2 billion and he's made a uh, hundred million off his hotel in Washington that everyone called a loser. He just sold the lease or it's in the process of selling and he's gonna make a hundred million dollars on that. He just put his book out at $80 a book, I think 79.95 and he's selling about $10 million worth of books a week. And he just went on a speaking tour with Bill O'Reilly was on my show last night who said they're grossing 2 million a show. And so I think it's safe to say Trump is back, the comeback is on, and Wayne Root was right. So it's all about coming back from failure, learning from it. They never take your spirit away and you fight even harder. And then the third big rule is the critics are effing idiots. The right. critics are idiots. Don't listen to anything any critic ever says because they're just trying to get under your skin and they're trying to denigrate you and ruin your career. And, and who cares about critics? All that matters to me, if there's 10 people in a room, Kip, and, and five of them love me and five of them hate me, I don't care about the five who hate me. They can go to hell. What matters is a plane to one audience, the five who love me. That's my audience. That's all I care about. I couldn't care less what the other five say. I got to say, uh, knowing you all these years, what you just said, that's in your DNA. This is, these aren't just words with you. This is who you are. And I've seen it personally and some of the business deals we've been involved with. You always look, you always look, there's always another way to do something. There's a way to be more creative right. or another contact we can make. You're always moving forward. Right. You never allow yourself to go backwards. And I think that's a, that's a rare gift, but that was something you worked hard on. Can I, can I mention my favorite story of all time that kind of fits that narrative? 
So I'm a Civil War buff. I don't know if you know that about me. You probably oh, I do. don't. When I was a kid, I studied Civil War 24 hours a day. And I, I was always a guy who played with toy soldiers. You know, today, every boy plays with dolls. And that tells you all you need to know about America. But I played <laughs> with little toy soldiers. And it was gray, so, gray South on one side, Blue North on the other. And I reenacted all the battles, right? And I read all the books. And I had so many heroes from General Sherman to General Grant to General Robert E. Lee, Jeb Stewart, and Stonewall Jackson. I loved both sides. They were all Americans. Both sides were Americans. And some of the greatest generals in history came out of that war. In my opinion, the single greatest general that's ever lived in the history of warfare is General Robert E. Lee. Mm -hmm. and, and, all, and all I could tell you is that when it comes to battle, my hero is a northern general named, jo uh, excuse me, a northern colonel named Joshua Chamberlain. And the reason General Lee in the South lost the war, because they were winning, winning big for two years totally outmanned, outgunned, uh, ammo, guns, uh, equipment, uh, clothing, and soldiers, and money. The, the North had everything. South had nothing. And yet generally beat him again and again and again. Greatest tactician, strategist that ever lived in military history. But he lost because of one battle, Gettysburg. And the reason he lost Gettysburg is one Northern colonel named Joshua Chamberlain from Maine, who was fighting the South at a certain position at Gettysburg and he was out of, his troops were out of ammo. And uh, the generals told him, you've got to give up, put up the white flag and give up. And he was facing a Confederate uh, army that was twice his size and he was out of ammo. And he said, we don't give up, we charge, fix the bayonets and charge them. They got guns, you've got only knives, charge them. And he led the charge. And the South got so confused, they gave up. And he captured them all. And it won Gettysburg. And it was such an, an important battle. And what he did, charging people with guns with a knife that's outnumbered two to one, and he won. And it saved the day at Gettysburg. And all I could tell you is later, two years later, when the North won the war and they did the official ceremony where you hand your sword over, uh, General Lee handed his sword to Joshua Chamberlain. Chamberlain was chosen by General Grant as the key to the entire victory of the North. He went on to become the Republican governor of Maine, my kind of guy. And so all I could tell you is when the enemy outnumbers me two to one, they have guns and I don't, I charge and I kill those mother truckers. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're at the disadvantage, not you. That's it. You know, and you know, it's interesting. Uh, in the Civil War, the whole country is divided. And you know, you look around now. Yes. The whole the whole plan is divided. You know, you're yes. either you're either pro for the official story, right, uh, and pro vaccine, or you're viewed as something uh, lesser. You know, uh, the unclean, right? The the uh, us, the unvaccinated, right? Well, you know uh, that I, you know that I'm Jewish. I, I, I was born Jewish, so I could say this. Right. This is 1938. Everything about this is 1938. I won't call it yet. 1942, where they were herding Jews into concentration camps and murdering them with gas and torturing them and stealing all their property. In 1938, that hadn't started yet. 1938 was where we are now. It was just pure propaganda mm -hmm. against Jews. And if you watch what's going on now, it's pure propaganda against the unvaccinated. And it's like they took the speech from Hitler. Jews are unclean. 
The unvaccinated are unclean. Jews carry disease. The unvaccinated carry disease. We can't allow them to enter civil society. They must be separated. They should wear yellow stars, I letting you know they're unvaccinated. It's the, they can never eat in a restaurant again. They can't go to a ball game. It's the same imagery. It's the same language. And the banning, the shaming, the loss of jobs, the uh, force them out of business, the media headlines, it's all from 1938. This is the precursor to a terrible, terrible moment in time. And we can't let it get to 1942. We got to fight and we got to stop it. Uh, I'm not going to say on this show or anywhere that I'm against the vaccines. I give reasons every day why I think a smart person should not take the vaccine. But that isn't my issue. My issue is the vaccine mandates. If you want to take it, take it. But nobody who doesn't want to take it can be forced by government to inject a foreign poisonous emergency use uh, uh, substance into their body. You cannot force someone to do that. It violates the Nuremberg Code. You cannot allow this to happen. But my argument from day one, Kip, was this is the Trojan horse they're using, the vaccine mandate, to destroy capitalism, the middle class, and small business. And it's happening in front of our eyes. Massive police shortages, massive fire shortages, massive nurse shortages at mm -hmm. every hospital in America, massive shortages of paramedics, of, of uh, prison guards, of border guards. Everybody who doesn't want the vaccine is either going to be fired or forced to quit. And there's going to be no first responders. It's going to decimate the military. It's going to decimate airline pilots. It's going to decimate military pilots. And by the way, did you, I don't know if you know this. I just found out about it yesterday. The Airline Pilots Association printed a, a list with photos of all the pilots who have died this year. In 2019, you know how many airline pilots died while in the service of still being employed as a pilot? This One. Before One. coronavirus. One died in 2019. You know how many pilots died in 2020? Six. You know how many pilots died so far this year? 111. Wow. And if you don't think that's because they were vaccinated, forced vaccinated, and they died from the effects of the vaccine, that you live in a dream world, a delusional state. Anyone listening doesn't believe something's very wrong. Pilots dying 10 times more, excuse me, 100 times more than ever before, and world-class athletes dropping dead on soccer fields right. across the EU. Never happened in history. The young, healthy athletes drop dead. So that's another issue that, you know, another uh, example of what's happening around the world, why we must resist the vaccine mandate. The vaccine is dangerous, but the real issue is the mandate, which is killing the economy. No restaurant, no bar, no nightclub, no small business can survive if they lose 40% of their customers. So you who is unvaccinated will no longer go to that restaurant. That restaurant's out of business. You just destroyed a small business person. That's the goal of the left, to wipe out our economy, wipe out the middle class, wipe out small business, and destroy capitalism once and for all. And they're using the vaccine mandate to do that. Okay, so let's transition to politics, because now we're talking about the midterms next year. You just laid out a pretty dire and depressing uh, narrative there uh, about what they want to do. Are they going to succeed? Or what changes next year? Are they going to rig the midterms? Wayne, what's going to happen? 
Well, look, you know that I'm not an, an incredibly religious person, right? I don't spend every Sunday morning in church. I spend most Sunday mornings watching football games with a bet on the game, right? So I don't think you could say I'm the most religious man that ever lived, but I am a Jew who took Jesus Christ as my savior 30 years ago. And I do pray every day and I pray to Jesus. And I got to tell you what my gut instinct tells me. My gut instinct says this is terrible times we're in, but in the end, God always wins. My gut instinct tells me the devil, literally, I, I'm not a religious person. And I'm telling you, the devil is in charge of the Democrat party. The things they're doing are such evil. It's got to be Satan. And this is the ultimate battle between Satan and God. And God always wins. For a little while, you might think God's win, uh, losing and Satan's winning. But in the end, God always wins. So my first thing I'll respond to you is, in the end, I do believe we're going to win. They can try as hard as they want to destroy us. They'll never succeed because I do believe we're on the side of right. We're on the side of the angels. We're on the side of everything good in this world. America represents everything good in this world and they'll never be able to take it away from us. As grim as I believe things are now, I have a strong belief in God and a strong belief we will win. The devil, Satan, can never beat God in the long run. So that's the first thing I'll say. The second thing I'll say is if things are fair, all things being equal, we win a massive all-time record landslide in the House and the Senate in 2022. But elections are rigged. You and I both know that. They've got uh, mail-in ballots. They've got illegal aliens voting. They've got dead people voting. They've got homeless people voting in multiple states. They've got people, uh, 20,000 people voting from one address. Happens all the time. Democrat Party, because they're from Satan are and evil, are cheaters and liars, just like all communists throughout history. They lie, they cheat, they murder. That's what communists do. And the Democrat Party has been taken over by communists. Did you see yesterday, Kip, that the United States senator from Connecticut, uh, the name is escaping me for the moment, but uh, he's the United States senator from Connecticut, and he actually was at the 100th, 100th celebration of the birth of the Communist Party of Connecticut, and he was handing out awards at that celebration. Joe McCarthy was right. He was just early, right? We are infiltrated by communists all around us. And when a United States senator will show up at a Communist Party celebration and hand out awards to communists, something's wrong with America. Communism should be illegal. Communism should be something that we throw out of the country. Communist is something that you should be ashamed of, and it goes against everything we believe in in the United States of America. And yet, here was a U.S. senator celebrating communism. It's out of the closet. Democrats are pure communists. That's evil. That is from Satan. And that's what we're up against. But we are on the side of the angels, and I think we'll win. I think we'll win big, just not as big as maybe we could have if things were not rigged. But I think they're rigged in certain states, blue states. Yeah. You're never going to win an election. Right. But the rest of the country will win enough that will win a big resounding victory in 2022. And then it leads to 2024. And it's either going to be Trump or DeSantis as the next president of the United States. And that, uh, that's the segue. Uh, you know, uh, you know, 45, personally, you know him really well. You're about to spend some time with him in Mar-a-Lago, as I understand it. Yeah, I can't believe you're actually going on a honeymoon, but uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Because, like you say, it'll be a working honeymoon, right? 
Yeah, let's not say too much about that. I never let liberals know where I am, when I am, but but uh, I am friends with President Trump. He is on my radio show often. Uh, he did send a beautiful letter to be read aloud at the wedding uh, by Rita Cosby, my great friend of 20 right. years in the media. Rita led President Trump's letter. It was a beautiful letter. Right. And uh, and I do think he is a superhuman human being who will come back, uh, who has come back now, proven bigger and better than ever before. And I think he'll be the candidate God willing. I mean, a lot of things can happen in three years. Yeah. He is 75 years old. So, I mean, if he's in great health and he's still young as could be, which he is now three years from now, I think he'll be the leader of the Republican Party and he'll be the candidate. But at the very least, he'll be the kingmaker who determines the candidate. And I think it's clear that that would be Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, if Trump is not running for whatever reason. So I think Trump would crown him as his successor. He's the perfect successor. He's 43 years old. And, and when you go through his list on Wikipedia, what Ron DeSantis believes in right. and what he's done as governor of Florida, he mm -hmm. agrees with me. I checked every single box. I've never disagreed in my entire life with anything Ron DeSantis has ever done. He's my guy. So I love Trump and I love DeSantis. So uh, one to a hundred, does Trump, how certain are you that he runs? Um, I'm certain one to a hundred. Uh, I'm certain like 99. Wow. I can't No, Nothing's ever a hundred, but I'll say 95 to 99 that Trump it has decided in his mind, he's absolutely going to run again. But again, 75 years old, you have to worry about somebody's age and there's three years to go. So will he be still just as excited and high energy about running when he's 78? Who knows? A health is the only limitation for Donald Trump. And I pray he's healthy and strong and lives to 100. And he's our next president again in 2024. We shall see. So the thing, about, the thing about Trump now is he actually looks better than he did when he ran the first time. It's pretty yeah. incredible. Exactly. And listening to your show last night, I couldn't agree with you more that DeSantis, probably not only just the best governor currently in America. Ever. Maybe the best ever. Ever. Yes, that would be Never been a better governor. He's yes. great. I like the gal in uh, Christine Ohm in South Dakota too, but it's South Dakota. It's kind of hard to get excited about running South Dakota. It, you know, my, my city of Vegas is much bigger than the state of South Dakota. So the mayor of Vegas is more powerful than the governor of South Dakota, but she's done everything right in this, in this terrible uh, COVID pandemic and scam. The COVID's not a scam. The response to it is sure. a scam. COVID exists. We've had flu pandemics many times in the past. We've survived them many times. That's how you know it's a scam. You know, we survived it. The best example I'll give you is 68, 69. We had Woodstock. 500,000 kids were in the rain and the mud, listening to music, dropping LSD, smoking pot, and having sex with 12 strangers at a time. And they're in the middle of a flu pandemic, and nothing bad happened. We didn't need to close schools. We didn't need to mask anyone, and we certainly didn't need to vaccinate anyone. And the country survived a terrible flu pandemic in 68, 69, and life went on. We never closed a single ball game. We never closed a Broadway play. We never closed the Vegas Strip. We never closed a school. We never closed anything, and everything was just fine. That should have been the response to this. Spend all your money and all, your, and I said this from day one, put all your attention on old people in nursing homes and people over the age of 80 all over America. Watch them, be careful with them. Maybe they should be masked. Maybe they should stay home. But nobody else has any reason to ever stay home, give up their business, close their business, lose their business. Insanity. And I always ask the following question. If grandma and grandpa are both, God forbid, dying of COVID on a ventilator in a, in a hospital room, who does it help 
if grandma and grandpa's children and grandchildren are now penniless because they don't have a business or a job anymore. How does that help the dying person? You've just made it worse for everyone. The economy is always number one. No matter what happens after a nuclear attack, Wayne Root will still be doing business. You never stop doing business. You know, when my parents died, 28 days apart of cancer, and I was a young man, mom and dad, I love them both. David and Stella Root, I love them. I arranged that the funeral would be on a weekend so I wouldn't miss any work. I flew there on a Friday night to New York, 3,000 miles. I went to that funeral. I spoke at their funerals. I loved them. I cried like a baby. I flew home on Monday morning. I was at my desk doing business Monday afternoon. Nothing can stop you from making a living for your family. So why would I let a flu bug stop me from making a living? It is the stupidest response in world history, except it's not stupid. It's purposeful. It's an attempt to destroy all of us who are capitalists and reign in the Great Reset, which is basically communism, slavery, fascism, and that's what's happening. So you, it sounds like you're saying that next year, Republicans win the House, <clears throat> take the Senate, take the House, right? 24 win the presidency. That, that sounds like a really great scenario. What's the one thing we need to be on guard for heading into the midterms that the left might try to do with the devil as their friend, as you say? Well, number one is the rigging, rigging of elections and stolen elections. And number two, this is a big one too. Number two is the vaccine mandate. Oh, and number three is the open borders. They're just gonna keep letting in millions and millions of people who are all future Democrat voters to try and change the demographics of our country and destroy the Republican party because they're all gonna be allowed to vote because that's the way the system works. There's no voter ID. Anybody could vote. Illegals are voting by the millions right now. So they keep sending in reinforcements across the border, one. Two, how are you ever gonna get out of the COVID pandemic when they're letting in millions of people who are diseased? Many of them are very sick with COVID and other third world diseases, yeah. much worse. How do you know who's coming across that border that doesn't have typhoid fever, smallpox, whatever it is, there's all kinds of diseases that have been eradicated from America that are coming over that border and Biden's letting them all in. But most importantly, lots of them are sick from the long journey and the stress and they've got COVID and they're spreading it all over the United States as he flies them and puts them in your community and mine. There's a reason for that. He doesn't want COVID to ever end because as sure. long as it's alive, he's got people hiding in fear. He's got people masked. He's got people listening to government. He's got people thinking government's their savior. And he's got mail-in votes, which leads to pure right. fraud. So there's the things I'm worried about. There they are. All right. Let's let's end on an on a, on a up note here. Let's talk about your company, Winners, Inc., uh, it's a company that you started after really, I mean, you've had this company for a long time, but you just took it public. Why don't you give everybody here an update of what's happening with Winners, Inc.? Yeah. When you see I had it for a long time, I've been in this business for 36 years, <clears throat> but I didn't have Winners, Inc. for a long time. Matter of fact, I only incorporated it in 2018, late in 2018, raised a very small amount of money, just enough to keep it alive until I could go public and raise serious money. And so our first operation in business was this September, literally. So we're really September, October, November, December. We're not even four months old with real operations. We're a brand new company. <clears throat> and we had three goals. Goal number one was to get licensed in, in states all over the United States that have legal sports gambling. And we would get a license in those states. Uh, and, and that's an affiliate license. We're not in the business 
of taking bets, but we're in the business of sending our customers who are sports bettors, who want our advice, who's going to win and who's going to lose against the point spread. Our customers are all sports bettors. We send them to casinos and sports books who desperately need customers. So I believe it's a beautiful business model. Our, our model is the same model as like, say, Schlumberger, right? They don't drill for oil, but they supply all of the equipment to drill for oil to every company that drills for oil. We don't play favorites. We will eventually, when we're really humming, send all of our sports betting customers who are all enthusiastic fans of Wayne Root and we'll send them to all the different sports books. Not one, all of them. MGM, Win, Caesars, Bet365, whoever they are, whoever has a license to take bets, we send them and we get a finder's fee for every person we send. And eventually when we move to the next level of licenses, we get a piece of the action of every loss of every customer forever. So it's wanna, an incredible business model. I want to make sure people understand what you just said, because the first time I heard you guys explain this to me, I'm like, that, how's that possible? That's way too much money. The finder's fees are how big? And then walk people again. You get 40% of the losses of somebody, you re, up to 40% of up the to. losses somebody yeah. you referred to another to another book. I would first of all, the finder's fees range between two hundred and four hundred dollars per person you send to a to a sports book when you have the initial affiliate gaming license, and then once you go to the next step, which is a very expensive, complicated step, by the way, uh, it costs a lot of money to get licensed and a lot of time because the next step is the same licensing requirements for for all intents and purposes as if you are a casino in the betting business and you're the owner of that casino. So now they study your entire life with private detectives and they look up every, every area of your life. So that's the next level. And once you pass that one and you get that license, you could take a percent of the loss of every customer for the rest of all time, which could be 20%, 25% could range as high as 40. But the point is, it's a lucrative business. And I believe I will be and we will be the best ever at it because I've done it for 36 years. I was the king of sports gambling. And during most of those years, I attracted more, we believe, more phone calls and more clients for my advice than anyone who's ever lived in the history of sports gambling. Millions of people called for my advice. So we just need to get back to that beautiful moment in time. I took 10 years off in the middle to get involved in politics. Now I'm back in that business. So we needed gaming licenses, affiliate licenses, in each state and we needed partnerships with all these sports books. We've delivered on both. We have gaming licenses in, and I think at this point uh, over 10 states, I think it might be 12, but we're, we're allowed to send customers and I think it's a dozen states at this point. By next fall, it should be 20 to 25 states, the year after 35 states. And we have partnerships with quite a few uh, legal licensed American sports books in every single state. Today, we announced a big deal with Bet. 365, one of the biggest in the world. And they're now our partner in New Jersey. So we've done, we've delivered on everything we said we do, except make money. Now we have to go out and find the right place to advertise and promote, to bring in thousands of sports gamblers every week who I can then send to all those casinos. And that's uh, harder than it looks. We're, we're looking at all the best areas to advertise now, and we're going to start picking them and trial, have trials, test runs. And certainly by next football season, we expect to be in a position where we're building a database of hundreds of thousands of sports gamblers. All of them can be sent to sports books. We will make a profit on all of them. And then sometime in the future, my exit plan is you sell out 
That's an exit plan. We don't know if it's going to happen. There are no guarantees in life. But I'd like to sell out to a FanDuel, a DraftKings, an MGM, a Penn Gaming, a Barstool Sports. And then suddenly you've got a billion-dollar company behind you. And, and I can be, with the backing of a billion-dollar company, the, the Jimmy the Greek of my generation. And remember, I did it once before. I set a goal at the age of 16 to be Jimmy the Greek. And at the age of 26, I, I was hired by CNBC, which, th which then was called Financial News Network. And they made me Jimmy the Greek's partner on national TV. Then they fired Jimmy the Greek a few months later. And I took over the mantle and, and took over the show as the sole host. So I became Jimmy the Greek once. I want to be Jimmy the Greek twice. Now, in this generation, with sports gambling legal, I want to be the guy everybody tunes into and when they want advice on sports gambling. And then all of them will be sent to all the casinos, and, and we're basically partners in the sports betting business with a share of the profits. It's fabulous. It's a fabulous business model. We haven't delivered yet. We've delivered on some of it. There's a lot more to go, but the future is bright. Last question, and thank you again. We've already gone over by a fair yeah. amount. I appreciate that. Real quick. How do you have so much energy? What, what, how can people get your energy? What's your secret? Well, I work out 60 to 90 minutes a day, certainly 60 every day, Monday what do you, through Friday. What do you do? Uh, I, I, in my gym, I've got, let me think, I've got a rower, I've got an elliptical, I've got a stair master, a stair stepper. I've got, a, I've got weight equipment. I've got uh, uh, an elliptical. I mean, I've got everything. Oh, and a treadmill and a bike. So I've got every piece of equipment you need aerobically and weight-wise to work out. And, I, and, I, and that's what makes it possible is two things. It's boring to do the same exercise every day. Right. So I change it up every day. I do two of, two of them every day. And I also watch a movie or a great TV show while I'm working out. So all of a sudden, an hour has gone by and I'm enjoying the show. I don't even feel the pain. So I do that every day. I'm 60 years old now. I think, I hope I look great for 60 years old. And uh, working out is, is you know, my obsession in life. I love it. Couldn't live without it. Couldn't be who I am without it. And I also eat healthy, non-gluten, no bread of any kind. And I also, most importantly, pop a lot of pro-immune, uh, pro-anti-aging vitamins every day. I think it's like uh, that girl. There's a female actress who's on Hallmark Channel. Beautiful girl, beautiful blonde. She used to be on Full House, Candace something. And they asked her, are you against the vaccine? She said, no, I'm not. I'm just pro-immune system. And that's where I, you know, I love that statement. I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm pro-immune. I build my immune system every single day with vitamins, healthy diet, meditation, prayer, and exercise. That is what is the foundation of my life. And anybody can get the energy I've got if they practice that kind of discipline every single day. Well, Wayne, this is your new book, The Great Patriot Protest and Boycott Book. Uh, it took me about a day and a half to read it. And you can see it's a great Christmas gift. Where should folks go to get it? And what's your farewell message, everybody? Yeah, I think everyone should get two as a team. Great Patriot Protest and Boycott Book and Trump Rules. You'll love Trump mm -hmm. Rules. Perfect Christmas gift. And the only thing people say to me all the time is it's too late. Christmas is less than two weeks away. Nope, go to Amazon. And it says both books will be delivered tomorrow. You can have them in one day. I hate Amazon. I hate Jeff Bezos. Bunch of liberal globalist idiots. But guess what? They are the most efficient company I've ever seen in my life. You want something, you get it in a day. So you want my book? Buy a conservative book at Amazon. If you hate Amazon, don't buy anything else from them. Just buy conservative books and you'll get them in a day. Perfect for Christmas. Uh, or go to my website, rootforamerica.com. And when you want good advice on sports betting, vegaswinners.com.
VegasWinners.com, and of course, every night on radio, USARadio.com. People can listen online uh, to your great guests and to your content. Wayne, love you, man. Thank you so much for doing our 1,000 podcast with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Kip. Thank you, Tyler. I'm honored to be on number 1,000. And I look forward with my exercise regimen to be on number 10,000. <laughs> <Anyway. laughs> you'll make that happen. Folks, Take this care, is not going to be our regular podcast for today. As I talk to you right now before the close, the Dow's down a couple hundred. I'd say we're pretty excited about the turn coming. Seasonality speaking, this is a good time to be in the markets. We're bullish here. Wayne, thanks again, my friend. God Thank bless. You, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We still say that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Tyler, you got it? Yeah. Thank you, Wayne. All right. I got 11 o'clock. I got two minutes to get on my next one. Thank you, boys. Thank you so much, Wayne.